0: Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. magazine.
1: Welcome to the war room, Melanie Fine. How are you?
2: That's great to be here. I'm feeling good today. How are you doing, Philip?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm actually excited. Uh, Jason and I don't often get a chance to talk to somebody who is contributing to Forbes on a very regular basis and helping entrepreneurs get their thoughts out there and putting them in the position they need to get ahead. So this is a treat for anyone that's listening. So in honor of uh, what we usually do, we're going to have to switch it up a little. And I think it's actually very nice to do so. What I want to know is when did you first start being able to create stories?
2: Oh, please. First grade.
1: <laughs> okay. And then like you consciously were like, Ooh, I got a great idea for a story. I, was a, I, sure. was a,
2: I think I, I was a writer out of the womb. And, <laughs> um, but, and this is will probably ring true to a lot of your listeners. I immediately I, for some reason, I had a very practical sense of where I was going in the world. Like I needed to take care of myself, take care of my family, whatever that was. So, you know, no one's going to be a writer and make money. So I, you know, I poo pooed that. I went, I went to pre med. I did everything according to the way I was supposed to go. But that writing thing kept gnawing at me. So, yes, from the womb, I, I've been a writer, but I've, I see it, I I used to see it as an art that, that you don't make money from.
1: And now is this related to sort of like growing up watching your parents too? I mean, did you, did they, were they, well, cause it sounded like they had a lot of pressure. Uh, in your direction was that because they were also uh, doctors, lawyers, things of that nature?
2: Doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs. Um, no, my my, <laughs> my father was. Well, I there was a lot of pressure from my mother. You know, I don't want to call it pressure. Uh, she wanted me to go to medical school because that's what she had always wanted to do. And I was always passionate, and incredibly successful in science and math. So that's a big piece of who I am. Uh, but yeah, there was. A, she definitely wanted me to fulfill that dream that she never fulfilled. And my father was a businessman. My father owned supermarkets. And if you know anything about the retail business and especially supermarkets, it is tiny margins. It is you work yourself to the bone day in and day out to provide for your family. I mean, he provided very well for us, but it, it was not lost on me how hard he worked and how many hours he put into this business.
1: Yeah, no, I can see why. Um, you contributed to the fabric of work ethic and when and did exactly what you know you were supposed to do. You want pre-med, all that. Now at what point does the wise wizard come in the story that changes things? It's not always a person uh, for you. What, what was the turning of the tide? Was it just that you kept hearing the voice and made the decision yourself, or is there an event you can attribute it to?
2: It's so interesting when you say wise wizard, I do think that in a way that I like the term wise wizard. Um, I like to also call it God, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of failure, Philip. A lot of failure. A lot of doing the things I was supposed to do and being, you know, smacked on this side, smacked on that side, and um and realizing that those that that failure, um, you know, it's some it's it's interesting. Sometimes failure tells teaches you to 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 be more persistent, right? Oh, I'm gonna get this goal, I just need to to o- overcome this hump. And and there's sometimes it's failure, it's telling you. You know what? No, you have to beat against this wall, not that wall, right? And so it was a lot of things that didn't, you know, didn't really work out as I had planned. And so the universe sort of guided me towards this because I I ended up not going to medical school, not for any reason except that I took a year off of um, between college and medical school, and um, I was going to apply a year later, and I ended up. Writing music, I took writing courses at UCLA, so I was always into some kind of writing, and and so every t- so then I got a job as a teacher, and then in my spare time I'd be writing, and then you know I was going to eventually go to medical school, I never did, and sort sort of things just landed on me, and and they don't land on you easily. It's not like someone hands you you know a million dollars and says you know there you are, you solved it. But they land on you. Things people come to you for help with this writing thing, or people come to you, and then I I wish I could say it was one thing. Um, I remember I actually dated someone. I, so I never saw myself as a professional writer. And I dated someone who had was an author, was a published author, was a very successful journalist. And she told me that, um, that my writing was as good or better than anyone else she's read, which just I think that was a big piece, actually, now that I think about it, you know it just needed someone to, to tell me that it was okay, that I was good and that I should pursue this or I can pursue it. I don't think, I don't think she said should, but, but just the someone telling me that I was good enough because what do we know? The world is telling us how we're never good enough, right? From our parents to our teachers. I mean, everybody has the best, you know, intent, but, and then, you know, if you're going out in the world and you're going to be a writer, people say, well, writers don't make money, right? Especially in this era of journalism, they make pipsqueak. I mean, they make, Next to nothing because so many people are scrambling to do it for free. So it's it's pri- probably ultimately someone saying you're good enough, or you're more than good enough, and having that from the wise wizard, I guess, is what you say, yeah. And maybe that was yeah. also putting putting a little god in my path, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I listening to the story, I can only imagine. At some point, you took that break and you said, I
2: just don't know. It just
1: doesn't feel right. I don't know if I can keep going in this direction. Yeah. Everything It's taking everything for me to stay on this path. Right. And I don't feel like it feels natural. And so, you know, you take some time off, do whatever you can to, to keep things afloat. And then you run into a writer and you're like, oh, well, and, and man, I've got a whole story for that. I won't get into, but there's right. an interesting, there's an interesting event taking place there. And you, right. of course, engage that, that drop, that direction that life sends your way. And you start to explore that only to hear the affirmation, right? That. that changed everything because I imagine the level of clarity the minute you heard that that it's came so to
2: interesting. you yeah to come from the right person at the right I think it's also timing right yeah. because I remember you know how many you know how many moves that we made in our lives I remember going through bins I had these bins and I was just trying to get rid of this I think it was a um I had a, I was paying for storage or something which is like the most horrible thing to spend money on self-storage right and so I'm going through <laughs> bins of things and they're all my writings all writing projects that I started, you know, I had done a lot of work on and never finished. And in that feeling, and this was probably in my twenties or thirties, that feeling was 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 overwhelming grief. Like all of this started stuff. I I have this drive to do it, but I just never got myself there. And and living with that sense of of I don't know, not 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 reaching my dreams or not moving so that I could actually. Finish a project, even if the project didn't work out. That I couldn't bring things to fruition, that was such a weight on me. And this, this one wise wizard was such a relief. And once you know that you can, once someone that you trust and knows that you can, it's a lot easier to pitch people. It's a lot easier. I mean, within a week, I was in Huffington Post. You know, I was going to say, you just (laughs) have to get the permission, and it's so crazy because why do we need permission? It's all out there. Just go and do it.
1: It's, it's, it's because it could have been anybody who said that to you, but this happened to be a published writer who, what they say carries weight right? and made
2: her living as such. Yeah.
1: It it couldn't have come from anybody else where it would have had the same impact. And I think that's an important thing because now you're working with entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. on a regular basis, quite like quite consciously to get the best out of them and to help write something that makes sense, uh, or to talk about story of, of their lives that, really puts them in the right light where it also contributes to the overall ethos of whatever publication you're working on so it's really interesting to see how that Genesis happened because there's another life where you could have been a doctor right or something and that' I'd
2: probably be writing that, that that
1: sounds like a nightmare for somebody who, who wanted something completely different now before I go any further I want to let Jason come on in into the conversation because I know he's been sitting there listening to this breakdown
3: what I love about it right is it is like the perfect entrepreneurial journey right I mean it really is it's it's the the layout of maybe there wasn't like a a company surrounding it but it was still the entrepreneurial journey the whole way right of just not packaged around a structure of a company and all these things right and you know, when like, like me, for instance, I, I don't like to read, but I like to write. I really do. I love writing. I mean, I've published seven books of my own. and I love to write. It's, it's a lot of fun to write, but you know, we often don't think about that's like its own journey in life, right. Is writing it's, it's, it's like its own passion of and it really is. It's it's a business in itself. Yeah. Is it's a hero's
2: journey. It is. It's yeah. you know, You talk about it is the entrepreneurial journey. It's the hero's journey. You know, yeah. and even when I write fiction, I have a I have a book series out called Rocket Girls, um, for girl for uh, middle school girls um, who are interested in science. And when you write about a character, you're bringing that character with their flaws, everything that's 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 human, that's not that's that's very real, and you're bringing them to the next stage. And you can do that with your characters and you can do that with any writing. I mean, what's so great, a lot of people don't really understand story and they don't understand the hero's journey in their story. And that's sort of my job is to get that out of them. What is their story? What makes them unique? What makes them something that people can relate to? People don't relate to huge success stories. People relate to people who struggled and who failed and who are like each one of us who is not perfect. You know, you create a perfect character and you have no fans, right? Everyone, we're all where we are in life. We always will be going on a path, but it is the hero's journey. And the other thing that people don't understand, um, like I don't just write features about people, I write takeaways. Like you said, you don't like to read. Most of us, whether we like to read or not, we don't have time to read. So if I'm going to convince someone to spend four or five minutes on an article, which is just which is a lot of time in our very um, uh, fast-paced, attentionless world, it has to give them something that, oh, my God, I never thought about that. And every entrepreneur through his or her journey has those nuggets. And it's really important to provide those for any reader because there has to be a payoff for, for reading it.
1: Yeah, that's probably the hardest part is, uh, for example, we do a lot of conversations here. and often at the end we go, yeah, we hope you got the nuggets, right? And uh, and and we do some degree of like summarizing and trying to highlight the fact that certain things took place in the conversation as a reminder of what was important in the story because that is an element that, uh, especially in the listening format, right? Quite different from the reading format. And yet the rules still apply. Those who can curate and help bring light uh, to what's being covered by the darkness of maybe lack of attention or mm-hmm. uh, someone who just didn't pick up the story cues the way they should have. Right. I, it's it's an art. What you do is an art, and yet at the same time, it's a business. And like you said, right now, with everyone willing to do it for free, it, it's uh, it's one hell of an industry. Uh, right. But I'm I'm really happy to see that you're in it to win it, and that you're diversifying the way that you that you create content as well. Because entrepreneurs, they know they need to create content. (laughs) I know I need to be out there. I know I need to Right. right? a lot of, a lot of should, woulds, Mm -hmm. but really there's an imperative to be also be able to have a story and to tell your story and know that you already have a story, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, when, when you do create insights, do you have a framework to sort of suss it out or that maybe you can share with the entrepreneur so they can look at their own life sort of in a moment of reflection to determine like, yeah, yeah, I I am doing something, you know, because that's the end of the day. That's, that's really what they're looking for. They're also looking for someone to help give them permission to say that what they're doing actually has value beyond just a business. Do you have a framework or something of that nature that you sort of use you don't have to obviously give the entire secret sauce. I'm not. I'm, I'm not asking you to do that. And I know that even if you gave it out, most people won't even know how to apply it to begin with. But what I'm asking for is: Is there anything that you can say to an entrepreneurs listening about? Oh, maybe I should. Maybe I should find a way to get myself published on on a print publication. Like how they can determine for themselves whether or not they're even ready for that.
2: Right. Well, it's so. So. So a couple of things determining whether they're ready for it. They're always. When they have something that is working, that is bringing in money, um, then bringing an audience to it is always beneficial. If you are still in the process of figuring out what your business is and and you have a great idea, it's the greatest idea in the world, and and you know it's going to be a success, but you haven't quite um, tested it. You haven't quite uh, had proof of, what is it called? Proof of, of... market i don't know um yeah. i know there's a term there I, I should be good with words but i, I I'm, sometimes <laughs> i'm not that's why i like to write not speak right um is uh people think that oh well i've got this great idea i've got this starting thing i'm going to get publicity everybody will come well that doesn't happen that way you know the only thing where that happens is field of dreams there's no other place on earth where you build it and they will come you have to build it you have to drag people kicking and screaming by your enticing offers and have the most amazing offer in the world to bring them there. So if you don't have an offer, if you don't have something that is tried and true that people love on the other end of it, it's too soon to get publicity. You don't know what to do with that attention. Um, The other thing is, as far as as finding your story, um, your story is your vulnerability. I talk about, I I actually have a, a, you know, I I have a course that I that I that I um it's not really a course, it's a mentorship I do with people who want to be contributors to entrepreneur or forbes or things like that. And, and what I teach them is something called the authority triangle. That that every story has to have three things. It has to um, be directed to your ideal audience. People don't think about that, they just write stories, right? But but if I'm writing a story about how I've struggled as a writer and now I make um hundred dollars a month on Kindle, right? That could be a story. Who am I going to attract? Am I going to attract um, Jason Miller to that story? hundred dollars a month on Kindle. That's, that doesn't mean anything to him, right? So it, it may be a true story, but is it the right story, right? So you have to know who your audience is. If your audience is high ticket, if your audience is people that are making six figures or seven figures, then you have to tell a story uh, about that audience. Like one of my clients was was a seven million, um, seven, excuse me, seven figure earner. And he, he threw, threw in the towel. And so his story is not, uh, his story, he wrote other stories, but finally wrote a story saying how he had all this. He had the beach home, the cars, etc. but how he threw it away because it wasn't meaningful to him. And so then he was addressing those people who were, who were had everything but didn't have meaning. Before that, he was not, he was addressing the wrong people. So you really have to know who, who the audience is you want to attract in your story. You also want to make sure there's vulnerability. If your story is is about how great you are, people send me these pitches all the time. <laughs> oh, I am the greatest person. I, you know, I I, you know, I speak, hundreds of people come, I make millions, blah, blah, blah. I'm the best. At this in the world, it's like, who cares, right? So that's that's an advertisement. You can take your advertisement wherever you want. Where's your vulnerability? Where did you lose it all? Where did you screw up? And what did you do when you were at your lowest? What is that story, your vulnerability? Because you're reaching your target audience, but your target audience is not experiencing your Facebook brand of life. They're experiencing real life and they have struggles. And unless you can tap into their struggles in your story, they're not going to reach out to you. But if they know that you've had the same struggles and they know that you've achieved what they want to achieve, um, they will reach out to you as long as the third. So it's the authority triangle. The third vertex of that triangle is positioning. And then that's when you put it on a Forbes. That's when you put it on entre- in, entre- in an entrepreneur. That's when you put it in ink. That's when you put it in success magazine. Then when you have those two vertices and you have a viable business, then that's when you should be shouting it from the rooftops. But, it, but positioning alone won't do it. So many people, you know, get mentioned in Forbes, and I think that's great and everything that's great for credibility. But if you really want to bring the masses to you, you need to have all three. Yes.
1: Thank you. And just like when someone who was a published author said that said the words to you that this you write really well and, and what that mean, what that huh? meant to you. I think a lot of entrepreneurs now, knowing that this is the work that you do, to hear you say, look, don't send me another pitch of you raising 82 million dollars and you're <laughs> successful. And it, it literally means nothing to who? Yeah.
2: For what? Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, exactly.
1: In fact, if the, the ironic thing is, I've met many venture capitalists who say they would never they would never fund anyone who's never lost at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, like that's a minimum requirement of entry there. So love what you're doing. Thank you. And I'm really happy to see that it didn't turn out the way it did, because I can hear the passion in your voice when you're trying to help people understand the crafting of a narrative. And I can see the passion when you're creating books that are helping uh, young young minds shape themselves with coming of age stories. I think I think I see that this is really your way of relating to the world, right, through creating characters and things of that nature. And it whispered to you for, it's funny. It reminds me of the Steven Spielberg thing where, you know, he for a long time thought he was going to be doing other things, but the film thing kept whispering to him. It didn't yell, but it whispered. And it was one of those, right, where you knew it was still back there, but it wasn't demanding. It was very, very patient while you went and did everything except the one thing you were supposed to be doing, Exactly. Uh, like the vulnerability. Wow. How many people are willing to admit that everything they worked for meant nothing to them? Very few. Yeah.
0: Yeah
1: right? So I guess my, my, my follow-up question now is what are you working on now that you want the listeners to know about that specifically is interesting and exciting to you?
2: So, um, again, I'm always working on getting entrepreneurs out there. Um, I have connections with some, some PR agencies that work through me to, to get people published. Um, if you want a link to those people, I can let, I can let you know that. Uh, the other thing I, I do is obviously, um, I write these these books, this, this Rocket Girls, and this and you can look at rocketgirls.com or go to Amazon and find it. Um, my second book is coming out October 1st. What I would love to do is empower those who, who, who want to write, who who don't just want, you know, someone doing their PR for them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Most people want it done for them. Um, and and you know, again, I have some really good agents that I could I could hook you up with, but it's um if you if you want to be a writer like I am and you want to write for these major magazines, I have this thing called the Authority Boot Camp. And it's a mentorship where I take you through the process, everything that I did uh, to, to get into Forbes, to get into Entrepreneur, to get into these various magazines so that you can build that following through your writing. If Even if you think you're a bad writer, as long as you don't hate writing… This is for you. If you hate writing, get someone else to do it. Or if you have no time, which you know we're so we're so busy. And for me, I can't. Some people write prolifically. It takes me forever to write, so I get it. It takes a long time for me to be happy with a piece. So wherever you fall in that, if you want that kind, if you want to be like me and be a contributor on Forbes or Entrepreneur or Inc. or something like that, then reach out to me, and I can mentor you through that process. And also, if you want it done for you, you can you can reach out to me and I can I can hook you up with some PR agents that I that I have had success with. They're not all the same out there.
1: Right on. OK, now, before I go on to the two final questions, because mm-hmm. uh, the time flew by, I, I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, wow, Um, okay. I want to check in with Jason.
3: Yeah, I love the I love what you've done with you know you you've taken all that passion and kind of rolled it up into many different ways to help people mm-hmm. right and in that itself i'm going to bet somebody helped you along that path uh you know uh, other than that one person i'm sure there were some others but but you know we all get to where we get and it's all on purpose right mm-hmm. and I truly believe that, um, that we get where we get on purpose and it's because people help shape us in the right direction or somebody gave us that one piece of guidance at the right time, or we met that one person or few people just at the right point in our life where we were just about to go, I'm done. (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, bam, it happens. And you're like, I mean, call it luck, call it fate, call it whatever you want, but it's always like life puts us where we're supposed to be at the right time. And they put us with the right people at the right time, you know, and for me, I've had that happen so many times in my life where I, uh, Philip's one of them, um, where it just happened at the perfect time. <laughs> so, because our story together is crazy because he was over at Entrepreneur Magazine and interviewed me at Entrepreneur Magazine. And that then it's hilarious. like all of a sudden it's like, dude, you got to come over here. You need to be in the war room with me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there again, everything just happened at the right time. And and now we've grown this podcast to one of the top two percent podcasts in the world in four months. Wow. It's like everything happens for a reason because it's supposed to, you know, I mean, we didn't meet by chance either. Right. So uh, with the things that we, we have going on and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, as long as we embrace them and make the best out of them, we're unstoppable. The human, the human dynamic is unstoppable. And You know, all we have to do is culture it, embrace it, and always be going forward not that way. (laughs)
2: Right. Right. And with that said, I mean, I know a lot of entrepreneurs know this. You have to kiss a lot of frogs (laughs) 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 to find that, to find the right, the right connection. Um, It, it, it rarely happens on your first go around or your 10th go around. You know how, my, how many hundreds of thousands have we thrown at courses and mentors, et cetera, um, bef- and, and not and some. And I think that everything leads us to where we are, but some of us, some of them, sort of take us the long way around.
3: Yeah, well, that's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's funny. I was going to ask, what would you say to if you could go back to that time when you decided you were going to be taking a year off, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself? that maybe could have made it not the long way around.
2: You know, that's a good question. I don't know, you know, honestly. So if I were to say to to myself, if, you know, what was so interesting about what, what this woman said to me was that it came from someone who was already published and already where I wanted to be. If I could tell myself that maybe if your future self is already published where you want to be, you could tell your, your past self, that you'll get there. I guess for me, it's, don't be, I've always been invested in time. I've always been worried that time is running out. And as I get older, I would say time is running out faster, right? I mean, not to say faster, but there's less time in front of me than there's behind me, right? And so I finally, you know, realized that it's not about time, that it's not about worrying. Oh, I'm not going to have just time to make this in my life. I'm going to be dead before this happens is, you know, take your time luxuriate in it, in it, enjoy it. Because if you don't do that, you know, things will unfold at their own pace. You can't force them. Yeah, you can finish a project maybe a week or a month faster. But things ultimately, in, in the way the universe works, will take their their the time that they take. And you can't really white knuckle it. And white knuckling it is not the way to run through life. Oh, man.
1: I love that you brought that up. This concept of the gestation period, right? So important, especially when you're writing something like a novel or something like you're going to need to let things marinate. But all you have to do is look at the universe and the way it works when you plant a seed in the ground. And it takes its time to be watered and bear fruit, right? Or the vegetable, what have you. Same right. thing with uh, with giving birth, right? There is at least nine months of gestation period, and even some time before you can't that. Can't rush it, right? You can't. You can't rush these kinds of things. You're right. <laughs> right. I love that you brought that up because it's something that people know intuitively, instinctively, and yet forget every single day of their lives.
2: <laughs> let me let me add the other side to that, though, because you know it's all gray. And nothing's black and white. You have to be persistent as well. Yeah. It's not you can't, oh well, the universe is gonna bring me <laughs> this success, and I'm just <laughs> law sit of here attraction <laughs> in, in acapulco and acapulco and 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 drink, you know, margaritas or whatever. You have to do both. But the persistence, and it is persistence. You know, when you write a novel, you have to show up every day and write it, or it's not gonna write itself. But you can do it in such a way that let's say it's you're a month past deadline. Ugh, big whoop in the scheme of things, big whoop. So you spent a day with your son at the at the at the ballpark because you want to spend time with your son, and you actually had a thousand words to do that way. So what, right? We 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 nickel and dime the minutes and the seconds, and then we let our lives, but we let our whole lives, you know, run out of our control. We should we should nickel and dime our whole lives, our whole vision, but sort of let the minutes. You know, if something doesn't happen the way it's supposed to, maybe that's why. Maybe there's a reason why. So you, so you need to let go. But you also need to put in place, you know, you need to be watering it as well. It's yeah. So it's a balance.
1: No, I love it. I love it. And and thank you for taking the time to, to pull that metaphor
2: right. together. You know,
1: right. uh, with that said, if it's all right with Jason, we'll move on to the grand finale. Let's do yeah. it.
3: <clears throat>
1: so, Melanie, for a million points, uh, if you could have invited anybody here today to listen to your story, maybe even contributed to it. Uh, who would you have loved to have had here and why?
2: I'm going to name someone you don't know. Well, you may know it, but I probably don't. Uh, her name is Rachel Carson. She uh, is a, a, a female scientist. She died at the age of 56 from brain, from, out of brain cancer, excuse me, breast cancer. She was the start of the environmental movement. She, um, I mean, women in the 20s don't really go to college to study science. She was actually a writer slash a scientist. And she actually um, couldn't finish her graduate work at Johns Hopkins because of the depression and her family didn't have a lot of money. So she got a job writing um, writing seven-minute video segments or, excuse me, radio segments like podcasts, right? Seven-minute radio radio segments for the U.S. Uh, Department of, of Wildlife and Fisheries. And I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. So she she lived a life where she, she was unconventional. She didn't have things as easy as other people, whether it be financial or being a woman at a time when women didn't do these things. And but she was one of the best science writers ever, and um, and she actually wrote the book that started the whole environmental movement in the '60s. Like it was published about a year before she died. She, you know, spoke before Congress about it. And so I just I love the way. She had all these obstacles that that got in the way, including dying young right um i'm fifty six so I, I got to be as young right it's including dying young that that stood in her way of making a, a, the impact the life that she wanted, and with all of that together, she mixed it together and made a life that was even better than what she could probably have imagined going in,
1: oh wow. Yeah. I mean, 56 is definitely young. Look at Noam Chomsky. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? No, no, For sure. Wow. Rachel Carson. I'll have to look into what she's done.
2: 24 books.
1: Yeah. And for me, I mean, that just goes to show the pioneering spirit you have to be able to even name someone like that and where your interests lie and what that, what you, what you yourself hope to bring in the spirit of that, to the work that you do. You know, for me, I can, I can see how that parallels. And and why it is that you're so passionate about writing, and and how it's really the journey of a maverick, you know, of somebody doing things their way, very Frank Sinatra, if you will, <laughs> you know. Right. And and right. for me, I think every entrepreneur can respect that. Anyone who's ever who's ever gone out of their own way to try to risk it all and and hope that it turns into something through faith, uh, faith and grit and determination and patience. All the things that we've covered throughout this entire conversation, right. but also the most important one, which Jason took a lot of time to highlight, which was acceptance of the of the here and now and knowing that you have to have trust or another word for that is faith, right. acceptance and faith. So thank you so much, Melanie. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to hear your story, learn about what you're doing. Uh, thank you for inviting people to be mentored by you as well, by the program. What was the link to that?
2: Um, so if people can reach uh, reach out to me at mel.melaniefine.com at and I can give them more information about the program.
1: Okay. Right on. Uh, those are my closing thoughts. Jason, you can close us out.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I would say this, you are a hero's journey Thank you. Um, for sure. Uh, and there is no journey that does not have struggle. There's no journey that does not have hard times because it's not Hollywood. Right. Right. It's not Hollywood. And, you know, that's the beauty behind your story. Like I said before is it's an entrepreneur's journey, but it's not a business journey. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's very unique actually. Um, It's very unique for the show for sure. And, There's a lot to be learned by that, actually. And I hope business owners, like a lot of business owners that listen to this, really identify that with your journey, how it parallels somebody that runs a multi-million or even a billion-dollar company. It's the same journey. (laughs) So um, it's just the same journey. It's just a different thing. That's all.
2: Yeah. And and just, I know that you're closing up, but just let me add to this. Hollywood knows this, by the way, you know, I I would say Facebook because everything's perfect in Facebook, but there's (laughs) not a story. There's not a movie that's made where the hero doesn't have insurmountable, I should say, insurmountable obstacles. Without that, there is no story. And so instead of thinking our our obstacles are what are preventing us from achieving um, what we want to achieve, our obstacles are there for a purpose and they're meant to be overcome.
3: Yep, yeah, For sure. You got it. Totally hit it perfectly. <laughs> well, Melanie, thank you for being on the show. It's a pleasure having you here. So grateful to bring a different perspective to the show um, and, and be able to show entrepreneurs something a little bit different. And that's what we did here today. And for that, we are grateful. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Philip. It's been a pleasure.
3: Same, same. Cheers. All right. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it.